With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody. This is Lisa with Charismatic Woman, and we are doing our first call about sleep. And I had some problems getting this dog call started and lost some people, but Jackie is here with me. So Yay. we are going to talk about sleep and get this call recorded. And I'm excited about that because sleep is one of my favorite topics. So, Jackie, did you get a chance to read the thingamajiggy about sleep that I sent out? I did. I read the whole thing. I was rather amazed. I mean, I knew it was important. I didn't know it was that important, though. I mean, I think that we tend to think that sleep is, you know, that if you don't get good enough sleep, you're going to feel groggy. You might even be a little bit grumpy. But I'm just going to run down a short blurb on this list of the reasons sleep is important before we kind of move forward. Sleep causes, or sleeplessness causes accidents. Um, sleep depression was a factor in some of the biggest disasters in recent history. 1979 nuclear accident at Three Mile Island, Exxon Valdez. 1986 nuclear meltdown at Chernobyl. It sounds to me like nuclear folks need to be sleeping more. Um, <laughs> drowsing slow reaction time as much as drunk driving. And I've heard that before. That driving tired is as dangerous, if not more dangerous, sometimes than driving drunk. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration estimates fatigue is the cause of 100,000 auto crashes and 1,550 crash-related deaths a year. I think that's amazing. I mean, I know that sleep makes me less less sharp, but I don't really, I mean, I guess I never really thought of it totally dumbing me down. The, the thing that I posted didn't talk about it, but I read someplace studying this that sleeplessness or sleep deprivation for three nights in a row can cause your IQ to drop as many as 10 points. Whoa. Um, sleep deprivation can lead to serious health problems, heart disease, heart attack, heart failure, irregular heartbeat, high blood pressure, stroke, diabetes, 90% of people with, insom- with insomnia um, also have other health conditions. Sleep kills sex drive. I thought this one was interesting, but sex hormones drop when you're tired, which they believe has to do with a physiological sort of nudging to get yourself to sleep. The problem is is that even when you get caught up, when you get back on a sleep schedule, it takes your sex hormones or your sex drive hormones longer, significantly longer to come back online. It's like your body is trying to cushion you, encouraging you to sleep more longer to prevent a sleep crisis once you have one. Um, Sleep and depression are very intimately tied. Lack of sleep ages your skin in some really, really significant ways. 
says it's during sleep, what we now call slow-wave sleep, that the growth hormone is released. Um, and that growth hormone is responsible, I mean, we're talking about the growth hormone is responsible for a lot of things, but it patches up the wear and tear of the day. And that slow-wave sleep is actually buried between REM cycles. So you need to get more than one REM cycle to even get to that slow-wave sleep. Um, sleep, losing sleep can make you gain weight. Lack of sleep may increase your risk of death. British researchers looked at how slow sleep patterns affected the mortality of more than 10,000 British civil servants over two decades. The results published in 2007 shows that those who had cut their sleep from seven to five hours or a, few, or a fewer a night nearly doubled their risk of death from all causes. Wow. Um, and this is interesting. Lack of sleep can affect our interpretation of events, hurts our ability to make sound judgments because we cannot assess situations accurately. Sleep-divided people seem to especially be their own to poor judgment when it comes to assessing the lack of sleep that they are getting and what lack of sleep is doing to them. So... What I found interesting about the research I did, and then we'll talk a little bit about the steps for sleep hygiene, is that a lot of studies show that most people, many people are sleep deprived. I mean, they're not getting as much sleep as they actually need. And most people are not aware of it. Like they think they're getting enough. They think they're logging enough hours. So they may have a lot of symptoms of being sleep deprived, but they don't they don't attribute it to sleep deprivation because they're logging the time in bed and they may actually be getting the hours of sleep that they should be getting, but quality of sleep is really, really key. Because if you're not getting deep quality sleep, you don't do the REM cycling, you don't get into that slow wave sleep, your brain doesn't have time to rewire itself, which we'll talk about more next week. So you can be getting seven, eight, or nine hours of sleep, but if your sleep hygiene isn't good, if your environment's not right, and you're not getting quality sleep that's putting you through all of the cycles of what good sleep actually involves, you will still suffer from the symptoms of sleep deprivation, but people don't recognize why they have those symptoms. Yep, that was me. Okay. I can attend to that. So how much sleep do you get? I get between eight and nine hours, but for the longest time, um, because of menopause, I've I just discovered, um, I was having no trouble going to sleep, but I couldn't stay asleep. Every time my husband turns over, I would wake. Every time the slightest thing would not wake me as in wake awake, but uh, I would surface. And so every morning I was waking up just as tired as I'd gone to bed. Um, and I thought it was just my mattress, which it does need to be done, but it wasn't just that. I spoke to my doctor about it recently and um, told her about where I was in my menopause, and she gave me a progesterone cream. And since then, the difference in the quality of my sleep has been astronomical. And all of the funny little niggly things that I thought were kind of just me, um, 
I, I can now see were related to sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, I had that experience. Have you heard of the banana tea thing? No. So banana tea made its rounds on the Internet, I don't know, a few months ago. I I don't fall asleep easily. I mean, I you guys all know that my awake time is probably between 10 and 2 o'clock in the morning. And unfortunately, the world does not roll that way. And falling asleep is not my, it's not my friend. As much as I love sleep, at night I tend to be wide awake. And so I've on and off taken melatonin and different things. But banana tea, so you take a whole banana and you do not peel it. And you put said whole banana in some boiling water. You boil it for about 10 minutes. Then you take it out, and you take that water with some honey and some cinnamon. I mean, you know that I like the honey before bed anyway, so this is a better way for me to get it. The potassium in the banana tea in that perfect dose knocks you out like uh, it's just out. It's over. And I, the first couple of nights I did that, I was aware of how hard it was to wake up. But once I woke up, five or ten minutes after I was actually awake, I felt alive, rested, refreshed. It was like the world was in living color. I felt ready to go for the day, which is I'm not a morning person. But it was the same sort of thing. I mean, something about the banana tea, which I've heard works universally for a lot of people, I was getting quality sleep. And therefore, my symptoms of sleeplessness were pretty much instantly over. I wasn't aware until I found a way to get quality sleep how many symptoms of not sleeping as well as I should have been I was having. Yeah, for sure. I want to try that too because it can only help. It's, I mean, and it tastes, by the way, it tastes delicious. You wouldn't think it would because you're boiling a whole banana. But it is how, absolutely tasty. How much honey do you add to it? I mean, to taste. Oh, okay. So, I'm, you know, a half a teaspoon or a teaspoon of honey. I mean, I often take a tablespoon of honey before I go, a raw honey before I go to sleep, which helps a lot, too. Um, that's too much in the tea, but just, you know, enough to mm-hmm. sweeten it so that it's palatable with the cinnamon and it's delicious. But it's it's like you know it's like a date rape drug. You just you're out, out. <laughs> but then when I woke up, I realized that this issue of quality sleep was a thing for me because I would sleep eight hours and wake up tired. When I was really getting quality sleep, I could tell the difference. So things that contribute to quality sleep. And I will back off a little bit and talk about sleep hygiene because sleep, sleeping, going to sleep is a skill. And it's a skill that some people are really good at. It's a skill that a lot of people are good at for a while and then something happens and they lose their sleeping skills. I mean, sleep hygiene is a set of skills that work in tandem to create good sleep. And there's a lot of components to good sleep. I mean, there's a lot of hormonal components that are triggered by various things in the sleep hygiene cycle. 
There's brain chemistry components to this. It's not just as simple as lay down and go to sleep. Your body does a lot of really sophisticated chemical pharmaceutical work to induce a sound and satisfying sleep. So let's run through the list. Cold bedroom. I know you like a cold bedroom, girlfriend. Um, I I do, considering that I went for a while without air conditioning, but I must admit it's not as cold as it's specified for the temperatures. I mean, I keep it at about 76, um, which is cold enough for me to need a blanket, uh, a light one. But I don't have it, I don't have my house ever at 65. No, nowhere. Yeah. It took me a while to get my bedroom temperature down that low. Mm. Um, And I did it for a different reason. I mean, I did it because of longevity studies. And the longevity studies have repeatedly really, really shown that a very, I won't say chilly, but a cool bedroom, a cool sleeping temperature extends lifespan. Because, again, it, it encourages that cycle of sleep that causes the growth hormone production. So I inched my bedroom to nighttime temperature down over the course of time because I used to like a very toasty bedroom and I would sleep underneath piles and piles of blankets. Like I used to really crave crave sort of warm sleep. But I think I've probably gotten it down to about 65 at night and I sleep like a baby at that cooler temperature. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to inch mine down and see how I go. So, I mean, the way they talk about inching it down is how you inch it down to where it's a little less comfortable than you like it, and then you add an extra blanket if you need to. And then Mm -hmm. over time, you ditch the extra blanket, you get comfortable there, and then you inch it down that way. So you're kind of – you're – sort of cattywamp is stepping it down between blankets and temperature, blankets and temperature. But right. once you get to cool, you'll never go back. Yeah. Um, white noise, a room as quiet as possible, and if not, some sort of a white noise device like a fan can really help with sleep. This is interesting to me because I do think that I have a tendency you think that I'm sleeping through the noise on my street, for example, better than I am. We used to live in a really, we lived right above a really busy cul-de-sac, and so there was a lot of street noise. Our street now, strangely, is quiet, really, really quiet at night, but there are, you know, the occasional car that drives by or the skateboarder or, you know, the people outside. Like, I think that I am affected by that more then I am aware. I occasionally find myself awake and looking out the window and not knowing what woke me up. Um, But I think those, even if we don't actually fully wake, I I do believe that sort of ambient noise is not as innocent in terms of getting to those optimal sleep cycles as we like to believe it is. Some sort of white noise really makes a difference. Do you use, you live a place where there might be some outside noise. Do you use that? Yeah. I'm right in the middle of the city, so, yeah, there's, there's, always, um, there's always background noise. Um, but I have a white noise machine, um, one of those things from 
I don't know what it was called, Brookstone. And I have, uh, it's a river sound, which I absolutely love. And I have that on as I'm going to sleep, or else the rain sound, which I also love. And that's just loud enough to um, to make the sounds of the city even, as opposed to up and down, right? And the only thing that really wakes me as far as outside noise is when somebody um, yells in the alley or something like that. But generally, no. Um, the white noise machine helps a lot. I don't have it on all night. I have it on for a couple of hours as I'm going to sleep. I used to do that with it's the same kind of machine. I wonder... I mean, kind of with some of what I've read about this, if I would be better off to have, I do run a fan, so I've got something, but if I would be better off to have something running all night so that it's not just about falling asleep, it contributes to staying in those deeper realms of sleep. I may play with that. Oh, yeah, that's actually not a bad thing. I think mine only runs for 90 minutes anyway. I don't know that you can leave it on all night. I'll try. Let's have a look and see if that makes a difference. I'm going to try a lot of things to see if I can get myself into a really much deeper sleep. Agreed. Um, make your room really, really dark. So yeah, this that's, was that I agree with. And this was a hard one for me. I mean, I the amount of light that I had in my bedroom. I mean, first of all, the electronic devices, um, a digital alarm clock with a fairly big display. I have a lighted salt lamp that I had on. I mean, it's dark. It's very ambient. It creates, like, this beautiful light. But I used to leave that on all night long in my room. Um, We get – I have one window that doesn't have blinds or shades just because of where it sits. It doesn't. But the light that comes in that window, getting my room really, really dark was hard and worth it. Hmm. I I mean, in terms of even just falling asleep, I mean, it was it was definitely worth it to put things, I mean, to shut off the digital displays, to unplug the salt lamp as much as I love it at night. I mean, really, really dark was really, really worth it. And it's amazing to me when I think about, I mean, just kind of like reminiscing about my parents' bedroom when I was a child, it was pitch dark all the time. I mean, there wasn't any electronic stuff in there anywhere. Now, most bedrooms are packed with electronic stuff. Yeah, that's true. Um, ditch the cell phone. Radiation emitted from cell phones can increase the amount of time required to reach deep sleep cycles and decrease the amount of time spent in those cycles. Here's a statistic for you. Mm-hmm. 95% in the U.S. sleep with their cell phone within arm's reach from their bed. I mean, on their nightstand, where all they would have to do is roll over and grab it. 95%, myself included. Yep. When radiation emitted from cell phones can increase the amount of time required to reach deep sleep cycles, which is what we're really after. Do you, where do you keep your phone? Uh, mine is actually on my bedside table. You're right, it's, it's closer than arms reach, actually. And I do turn it upside down because I don't, when it's charging, I don't like that red light. But, um, yeah, no, it's right there. Yeah. I mean, I keep mine... I have a 
I mean, I've got an iPhone, so I have, like, the approved list of people who can call at night, which includes my children and my parents for the most part. So I don't get a lot of buzzes and beeps and what have you. I do turn it over, but it sits right there. And the studies about this radiation, I mean, there's been a lot of studies about the radiation in brains and brain tumors, and none of that has really panned out. But the radiation studies regarding sleep cycles actually do look very convincing that it makes a difference. So, I mean, they they say that even moving your cell phone 10 feet away from your bed would be enough to get yourself out of the range of what's being emitted that disrupts deep sleep cycles. Hmm. I can do that easily. That's not a problem. I will also commit to that. I haven't done that. So red light and blue light. Light waves exist along a spectrum of color. Wakefulness is triggered primarily by blue light, like midday sunshine or what's emanating from your computer screen right now. Warm red glow, say from a fireplace, does almost nothing to impair sleep. I am on my laptop very often until, I don't know, the minute I close it and get ready to go to sleep. I mean, I'm on my laptop until late, often. And I used to use Flux, and I don't have it on my new laptop, so I'm going to download it today. Flux is a program, and it's free. You install it on your laptop, and it mimics the pattern of sunlight based on where you are at geographically. So as the sun starts to go down where you are, it changes the tone of the light on your computer screen from a bright blue light to that more warm red tone. In the computer industry, it's kind of funny. There's sort of a joke about, like, graphic designers who use flux because the colors aren't right because they're designing at night. <laughs> like, everything's yeah. off by just a little. But, I mean, flux would be worth it if you had to pay money for it. If you're if you're somebody who's on a computer at night, but it's free, and I highly suggest people use a program like Flux or Flux that that controls that blue light issue that's coming from the computer screen. Hmm. Yes, I'm going to try that. I know my son he has it on. He does it. Yeah. I mean, but he's a computer guy. You don't strike me as somebody who's on your laptop a lot at night. Not at night, no. I'm very particular about turning it off. Um, but, well, no, I, I say that. I turn it off and I go and, and watch TV with my husband while I read a book or something, and then I will come back and just quickly check on things, which usually takes half an hour, and then I will turn it off and go, you know, go get ready for bed. So I probably only turn my screen off about half an hour before I actually get into bed. So... I'd be better off not checking last thing at night. No, I do the same thing. I mean, David, the last thing David does before he goes to bed is put his clothes out for the next day. And while he's doing that, I'm doing my last-minute check of what's on my computer. So it is the last thing I look at. Yeah, and maybe that in itself would be, for me, I think it would be fairly potent if I could actually just trust that nothing is going to have an entire meltdown if I'm not there for that 15 minutes. I agree. 
So improved cortisone awakening, cortisol awakening response. Interesting studies have been done on this, and I won't read the whole thing because it's in the thing that got sent. But if you wake up well, you tend to go to sleep well. So the easiest trick to waking up well is to get an immediate dose of actual sunlight or to pop some vitamin D. And studies were done on insomniacs where this was the only thing in a test control group that they did was when people woke up, they either asked them to drag themselves, literally get outside, stick their head out of a window if they could, but get an actual dose of real sunlight, and if geographically that wasn't possible, to immediately pop approximately 5,000 IU of vitamin D3 and sleep patterns significantly improved because waking patterns improved. Those two things are very intimately married. So, I mean, mornings are my nemesis, but that process of immediate sunlight or a hit of vitamin D had a significant improvement on not just being able to fall asleep, but again, being able to stay asleep and stay in those deep sleep cycles. So I've been playing with this the last couple of days, and or it's about a week, and it's interesting. Like if I can force myself up and out to my porch for just a minute, it does have a really, really massive impact on that cortisol awakening feeling where cortisol starts, and cortisol gets a bad rap. But cortisol is actually a very useful hormone, I mean, we need it to get going. We just don't need it to feel like we're running from bears all the time. It makes a real difference. I suspect you're getting a dose of that in porch time. Well, I used to when I had a porch, but I don't anymore. I'm inside now. So, um, But I I do take vitamin D, um, D3 anyway. I take 5,000 a day, but I can easily take it first thing in the morning as opposed to when I take the rest of my supplements, you know, after a meal or something. In the control group study, and I'll see if I can find it and I'll post it in the group, what they had people do was they set the vitamin D out at night and the glass of water beside the bed, and most people, one of the first things they do is take a drink of water, like before they even got out of bed, hit the vitamin D. And I don't remember what the exact number was, but for insomniacs, it, it seems to me like, it made about a half an hour's worth of difference. People got to get to sleep a half an hour earlier, easier, because of the vitamin D hit first thing in the morning. I take my thyroid meds first thing, so I can easily do that. Yeah, I'm going to try it. So stick to a schedule. And, I mean, establish a sleep ritual. And I think schedule and sleep ritual both. I mean, the sleep ritual that I listed is one that several people kind of ran down, and I'll run through it, but we'll talk a little bit about why the ritual matters. Um, Start an hour or so before bed with your sleep ritual. Turn all electronic devices off. Start cooling your room. Read for 15 minutes. And what you read really makes a difference. I mean, Tim Ferriss, the four-hour workweek guy, talks about this, like, It can't be self-help. It can't be informative. It needs to be sort of wildly unattached to your reality. So it could be a book about something, you know, a historical book or some sort of fiction. It needs to not be something that has a connection to your daily life. 
Something about that brain disconnect from yourself allows it to unhook from the thoughts of the day. So what you read is really critical. Then you take a warm shower or bath for just a few minutes, set your clothes out for the next day, and review your schedule for the next day. And that's important, too, because that shuts your brain down on the things that you think you might be worrying about for tomorrow. And then you're done. That kind of pattern, that routine, and most people who sleep well follow a routine that looks like this, what that does is it starts the process of setting off all of those neurochemicals, all of those hormones, the melatonin, the serotonin, all of the stuff that triggers not just falling asleep, but triggers deep sleep. I mean, you can be very, very tired and fall asleep, but if you haven't gone through sort of a series of steps that allows all of those things to trigger and flow in the right order, you will miss that deep sleep. Falling asleep is not really the trick. So this kind of nighttime ritual is designed, and we do these things sort of instinctually, but hitting all of these boxes is designed to, more than anything, set off a chemical response that induces sleep. As an insomniac, I will say that I don't have a consistent nighttime ritual. That's not, I mean, my consistent nighttime ritual very often is getting through everybody else's nighttime rituals and then kick-starting my day to go and do something else when everyone else is asleep. If I was following those nighttime rituals myself, I probably wouldn't be able to kick-start my day and go and do something else while everyone else was asleep because the chemicals and the hormones would do the heavy lifting. Do you do a nighttime ritual? Um, it's fairly... I'm not sure I would have called it a ritual, but it is fairly routine. Um, it uh, I've taken to showering at night, um, and then you know, sort of, and I make it cooler. I don't make it a warm shower, and um, I use it as a centering, sort of cleansing um, moment in the shower. I, I do spend those few minutes just getting grounded, um, and I will. I always do my teeth and my face before I get in the shower so that after my shower I can just do my anointing, which is an oil, um, a body oil that I, I make up for myself. And um, and then I get straight into bed, and by that time um, my husband's done his teeth and all the rest of it, and we turn the lights off and we catch it, and then we go to sleep. So I don't do any of the reading um, and uh, but but yeah, my my electronic devices. If I haven't, if I've managed to stay away from the uh, from the final check-in, generally I haven't looked at my devices. So um, what I'm going to intend to do now is actually turn off my PC before I go to the bathroom to do my shower and stuff. That will make a difference. My commitments are, and I think what I would encourage everyone to do is pick one or two of these and commit to them. My commitments are I am going to set a time limit on my computer, uh, you know, lo- no later than 10 o'clock. That's painful to me, but I'm willing to play with that to get better quality sleep. And I'm going to commit to moving my cell phone at least 10 feet away from my bed. 
both of those kind of hurt me, Jackie. It hurt. <laughs> uh, it'll it'll be good for you. And I, I I'm going to commit to installing flaps on my PC. I'm going to move my cell phone and my Kindle because I realize both of them are right next to the bed. Um, and then I'm also going to take my D3 first thing in the morning. Um, and I'm going to turn my PC off before I start my shower. So that's, you know, 15, 20 minutes before um, I go to bed. I think I'll bump up my D3 too. I can do that. I can take my D3 in the morning. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what I'm going to, I'm going to take it with my, I don't think it will be contraindicated to my thyroid medication. I will have a look at that because you're supposed to take it on an empty stomach, but I don't think it will be a problem, so I will, I will do that. I think what I learned from researching sleep is that getting to sleep is only part of the battle. I mean, getting to sleep is, is a goal. But it's not the be-all, end-all of rest. That it is equally, if not more important, to focus on the deep sleep, the sleep cycles, the staying asleep, as it is to just getting to sleep and thinking that's enough. Because for most of us, it's probably not. Yeah. So next week we're going to talk about spiritual, psychological, and emotional applications to sleep, and kind of from an LOA perspective, what happens, I mean, Abraham talks about just sleep all the time, take a nap, go to sleep, but there's a reason, there's like a scientific reason that that really works from an LOA perspective, so we're going to dive into all that next week, and I am going to stop the recording, and then I'm going to read you a list, Unless you've got anything else on sleep before I stop the recording. No, I'm, I'm all set. Actually, it was one of the things that you said in the oh, Shadow of the Light, I think it was about how you can't manifest if you don't have the energy. That was one of the things mm-hmm. I'm noticing because as I'm getting better sleep progressively, um, the things I want to manifest are getting better too. Makes sense. It's hard to spot when you're in an energy-deprived state. Like, why isn't this working? But it, it's really obvious when you're on the upside of that cycle. Yep, yep, and I hadn't realized. Uh, excellent. Okay. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.